I'm Jason Ariola. And I'm Dominic Chavis, and this is Rock Out With Your Card Out. Blowout extravaganza on the soundtrack for the Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3. It has been a hell of a trip, a lot of work, and a whole lot of Falcom Sound Team. But frankly, I think we're both rather happy with uh, having to. If we're going to get forced listening to four discs worth of music, Falcom Sound Team is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Better be Falcom, or else uh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so I'll give you the quick nitty-gritty here. Again, if this is your first episode of this, I don't know why, but I'll give you a quick rundown of uh, who the composers are, and then um, if you want to go into the really nitty-gritty details of that, go back to the first part of this. Uh, so, of course, credited as Falcom Sound Team JDK, and Hayata Sonoda and Takahiro Urisuga were the composers credited for this soundtrack. And I guess that will wrap up that part. So let's go ahead and get the show on the road then. So the first track we're going to be listening to today is One Way to the Netherworld.
and kicking things off with One Way to the Netherworld. We're definitely not starting off on a mellow note for this one. There's a lot of big sounds in this one, and it's a little bit bombastic, but it moves too quickly for me to really categorize it in the same place in my head as Matoi Sakuraba's stuff. There's a bit of a hint of Spiral of Erebos, or Erebos, boss i don't know how you say it but anyway uh one of the tracks we're covering later in the episode but this one has a feeling of intensity that that one doesn't quite have there's a lot of good instrument choices in here with nothing ever really standing out too much it blends together really well but you can still hear each instrument individually it does seem to be a, a tight mix um they did they've done a great job filling space with sound uh, the violins lead more towards a, an appropriate classical sound while the percussions lend themselves to a more electronic sound sort of like what uh, was heard on one of the tracks in the previous episode. I'm enjoying the somewhat dark yet emotional vibe that this tr track gives off. Normally, you'd have composers lean toward a dark, gloomy sound or a nice, tranquil sound, but this particular sound, uh, but this particular sound team tends to mix it up, forcing more interesting, emotionally twisted thoughts into your head. Another reason why I listen to a lot of their product. It's never hard finding interesting original pieces when you turn to, well, Falcom in general. Yeah, there's just, there's such a breadth of just quality stuff to listen to. And it's, it, like I said, we've we've been through this, through this whole soundtrack, and of course we'll continue that theme through this episode. But it can range from just the most laid back, kind of almost breezy track to something like intense, almost something that kind of inspires a, a feeling of dread to just like the most poppy, kind of happy stuff to just the most kick-ass, just, you know, guitars wailing violins screaming sort of like music it it's all there and that's why we love these people so much yeah they tend to uh cover every inch of ground it's ridiculous man they have it's variety upon variety i love it yeah all right let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track and that is going to be summer solstice festival
All right, and we were toning things down a little bit more with Summer Solstice Festival. This is another one of those tracks I describe as a breezy listen. It's nice, it's laid back, it's got a fun sound to it. It's definitely hard to not be in a good mood while listening to this thing. I don't have too much else to say about it, but it's another one of those that I felt even if I didn't have much to say on it, it was kind of worth listening to it. Yeah, I gotta say I'm digging the strings here. The rhythm guitar sounds so damn good with that slight compression, and I'm pretty sure the guitarists or guitarists are using pretty thin picks. Doing so helps bring out a more natural springy sound when strumming chords. Although I prefer small jazz three picks for shredding, I tend to pick up the thinnest, flimsiest pick I can find to produce that unique springy sound. Only they can deliver without modifying your effect chain too much. All in all, the composition is great and the sound design behind the composition is even better. Unfortunately, I I don't have nearly, obviously, as much to say about it as you do with that one. I, I like it. It's just, for me, it's just a nice, like, fun, breezy listen. And I guess I just listened to this one a little bit more casually than you did. With your knowledge of the guitar, you have a definite advantage on being able to pick that apart. Because I hear it, I'm just like, oh, okay, this is just nice and kind of breezy. And then, you know, you got a, <laughs> a lot more elaborate as to why it sounded that way. Yeah, it's eh. how it goes when you deal with the guitar for, you know, 15 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to our next track, and that is going to be Jade Garden. That was Jade Garden, and another pretty track on this end. I really love the piano here with the strings back in it. 
The track itself isn't terribly complex, but the piano is just beautiful. This has just a great blending of the piano and strings, and it's all mixed together really well. I'm a sucker for the piano and the violin, so mix them together and you've got a definite winner for me. Yeah, same here. I've always liked the violin, but not nearly as much as the piano. To be honest with you, I think the piano is the ultimate instrument. I think it's the most beautifully intricate instrument known to man. And really, you can't beat the design. If you think about it, the piano is supposedly the easiest instrument to get the hang of. And it's because of the design. You sit in a natural sitting position. You extend your arms in a comfortable fashion and move your fingers. You know, those things you've uh, used nearly your whole life? Yeah, those things. <laughs> Last but not least, uh, you use your brain to synchronize. Now, there are many instrument designs that are perfect in their own way, but I'd say the piano is a perfect match for any human being. And I think just sound level wise, it's got, it's one of the few instruments that I feel you can throw into anything whatsoever and it will just blend in if mixed properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because I've always categorized the uh, piano as a string instrument. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, essentially you're banging the keys, which are ultimately hitting keys. I mean, uh, strings. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I never really think about that until you mentioned that, but yeah, I could kind of see that. I, in my head, I've always put piano as its own thing like it's just it's an entirely different instrument choice basically from everything else but it does make sense as a string instrument yeah i mean it's like i said i think it's the ultimate instrument um design it sounds amazing when you don't have anybody else to play with you can play your rhythm and your lead on top of messing with your reverb which are the typically the pedals on the bottom so i mean you can pretty much do anything you need to and you have 10 digits to work with. So it's just, it's, it's an incredible instrument. And, you know, not to be reductive about it, but it's a fairly simple thing to learn. Like you literally just mash a key and it makes a sound, you know, you don't have to know like, Oh, if I pick a certain way, or if I hold the bow a certain way or blow into it while pressing this lever down a certain way, it's going to sound different. Like you can literally just, I think we've joked about this at one point where there was one track we covered where it reminded me of Schroeder on the Christmas special where he's doing, um, for Lucy or the, you know, the penis Christmas special, he's sitting there and he's doing jingle bells and he's doing all these very intricate things. And she's like, no, you know, Santa Claus and ho, ho, ho and jingle bells. And he just plink, 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 plink. And you know, she, that's it. It's like, you know, you can have something that the same thing sound incredibly beautiful or just, if you want to be very simple and reductive about it, you know, you can just do plink, 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 and get the sound you need out of it basically. Yeah. And, and you know, the way the, the keys are set up is it, I sh- should have this spot on if I don't, I, I apologize. I should know this, but I believe like all the white keys are basically the, the natural C major scale. So it's very easy to put pieces together with just the white pieces alone. And, uh, I, I believe the, uh, like the, the black keys are like your sharps and your, and your flats. I believe you're right because it's been, you know, at this point, uh, all teetering on 30 years since I played the piano, really. But that is triggering something in my head that I'm like, it sounds right. So we'll just go ahead and say, uh, with my ignorance, I'll, I'll agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> and see, like on the guitar, you know, you're basically dealing with the uh, a chromatic scale. So you go from zero to one to two to three. And you're basically playing, you know, like E, E sharp, F or whatever, you know. And it's it's just set up differently. The piano's got a just an incredible range of emotions it can evoke and just sounds it can produce. And I I agree with you. I I ultimately, like I 
you know, I think the violin for me might be like my favorite instrument, but I think the piano is just the most utilitarian sort of thing. Like you, you can use it for literally anything and it can sound good almost in any genre of music. I don't think I've ever heard a piano and just been like, Ugh, why is a piano here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track. That's going to have uh, probably some piano in it. And that is the first waltz. All right, that was the first waltz, and look, I promise we're going to get to some more of the electronic rock that we're all here for, but there's so many good tracks on this disc that are a different sound than we normally cover, I thought it would be kind of criminal to skip them over. This one's got soaring strings, mellow wood instruments, and the piano that only seems to come in here and there, and it all really adds up to a piece I really love. It does sort of fall into that category of not having a hook to latch onto, so it's not something I really remember as easily unless it's plain. Definitely a little bit of weakness I have to work on personally, but, well, know thyself or some such fuckery, I guess. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it does seem to be yeah, pretty hard finding a hook in this track. Perhaps it's the choice of instrumentation here. Again, we both have weaknesses uh, we got to work on, but there is something here. Either way, it's a good track. It sounds like something you'd hear in an older Christmas movie or something. <laughs> and, oh yeah, FYI, a waltz track. I don't know, just in case you didn't really know about waltz. Um, it's typically performed in a triple meter. That's why, like, the song starts off with that doom, 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 that, that type of rhythm. Okay. That's basically what categorizes it as a waltz. Oh, okay. See, I always have it as sort of, like, just the instruments that it uses. I, I normally, I guess 
we've, I mean, we talked about this with the subgenre thing, but normally like instrument choices normally sort of cement something in my head as a genre. And I guess a waltz is sort of a genre of classical music. So yeah, which it is. So yeah, that's, right there. that's kind of where I feel like I, I heard this and I'm like, Oh yeah, this, this is definitely a waltz. It totally makes sense. I can, I can totally like, you know, picture people at a fancy ball or something, you know, waltzing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think back then it was actually like, I think it was dance music, believe it or not. You know, this really old school dance music. Like I said, it's performed in triple meter, which is why you hear the three the three notes basically mm-hmm. for every meter, for oh, every okay. measure. Okay. Yeah, see, in my head, I I basically I hear a waltz and I hear, or, you know, and I see just real stuffy people in way too expensive clothing and re- that are horribly uncomfortable, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> doing these very elaborate choreographed dances that are very kind of hoity-toity, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what this track brings to mind. But the thing is, is I kind of like that music. It's real pretty and it's just. Oh, it's uh, beautiful music. It just doesn't stick in my head too, too well. So. Yeah, it's hard to grip onto. All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to our next track. And that is going to be Roots of Scar.
Roots of Scar is the last of the more subdued tracks for this episode. I promise. Anyway, we get a good taste of Falcom being able to set up a mood here. The slow string section set the tone throughout with different instruments taking the lead to keep things more interesting. Also guiding your emotions through the whole of the track. It does a fantastic job of taking your emotions on a journey by leading you to various feelings that are all in the same neighborhood, but not right next door to each other. Hmm. That's a good way of putting it. We both know I've never been crazy about this type of music, but you've got to give these people credit for being able to score this stuff. I probably couldn't do this on my best day. But this type of music has so much emotion crammed into each section, it's unbelievable. It's unfortunate knowing this type of music may fade away someday. Music has and will always be changing to fit in society. Uh, knowing that helps me tolerate this stuff a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but then you think about the stuff that's been around forever. But, I mean, granted, then you hear, like, the stuff that was played the, you know, the early 20s, just that, you know, the first, like, phonograph type things. And you're like, oh, yeah, people don't play music like that anymore at all. So, yeah. Yeah. And, like I said, I think it's mainly just that the way it's composed, you know, the score of it all. It's mm. just music is written completely differently now. It's, you know, it's just not the same. And I like the music nowadays, but, you know, it's unfortunate that this is pretty much this type of music kind of paved the way for a lot of the stuff you hear nowadays. And not too many artists are actually composing this type of music anymore. Hmm. I wonder if it's something maybe that they use in video games more frequently than sort of mainstream music now. Oh, yeah, that it is for sure. Hmm. No doubt about it. <laughs> it is kind of funny how sometimes it seems like video games are borrowing we'll say influences from other things and then you get stuff like this where it feels like it's paving the way but also sort of a vanguard of things that might be getting left by the wayside in more mainstream things but continue on in just video game composition hmm. yeah and it makes perfect sense because this type of music is uh, just so much more colorful and intricate opposed to you know like metal nowadays and you know electronic stuff mm -hmm. it's just in its own category it's just something else i agree Okay, let's go ahead and let's move on to our next track then, and that is going to be Dark Clouds.
All right, you want to talk about ominous? Dark Clouds starts off really uncomfortable feeling, and then the guitar kicks in about 40 seconds in and gives it a slightly more aggressive feel. Then the damn thing changes tones at about a minute and 10 in and just... I don't really know how I'm supposed to feel when listening to that section, but it's tonally very different from the rest of the piece. A minute and 44 in, it goes back to invoking the feeling of dread and unease. This track is incredibly evocative and would probably do well playing on your front porch during Halloween. Well, it's a perfect track to cover in October. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're just like, what, a week <laughs> out now, basically? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting a more tribal feel out of the intro. The deeper I dive into it, though, it's I start getting that ominous vibe, too. Really, after hearing the entire track, well, I'm not too sure how I'm supposed to feel about it either. It is a very interesting composition, though. It does seem to be a little, I don't know, like it, it's very good at setting a mood, but at the same time, like I don't 100% know what mood I'm supposed to be in. I just, I feel very <laughs> uncomfortable to a point listening to this thing, you know? Yeah, it's very hard to pinpoint that mood. Yeah, they really, really said it. And like you've mentioned this before. I think having some sort of visual thing, visual cue to these tracks like in the game would definitely lend a little bit more to our understanding of what they're trying to do with these tracks. But, you know, unfortunately, this game is a 100-hour RPG that technically is out today. <laughs> and I guess, you know, I could have played it in Japanese and really slogged my way through it that way. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. If it was a, uh, you know, a simple platformer, sure. But a 100-hour RPG, yeah, that's probably not going to work out if I'm trying to play in Japanese. Uh, yeah, that's a long time and even longer if you, you know, try getting through it with uh, pure Japanese situations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you don't understand that the language. that makes any sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know what you meant. It's all good. Uh. Yeah, but, you know, if you're sitting there and just try going to play, like, anything in a language you don't understand, it's just like, oh, okay, I, I imagine good music and good battle system or not, my interest would probably wane pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it'd get old pretty damn quick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to our next track, and that is Doomsday Trance.
Alright, Doomsday Trance, and this is something a little bit more up my alley. With some powerful electronic stuff in the intro and some good choral work thrown in, this thing kicks off 55 seconds in and really it smacks you in the face with that 90s dance with a capital D vibe to it. Then a piano <laughs> comes in, brings it up a decade or two sound-wise. The breakdown at a minute and 50 in almost makes for a good reset point, but it extends out for a bit, flowing into another section that transitions right back to the breakdown that sounds like the 90s dance music again. This one is probably more of an acquired taste, but I'm the right audience for this thing, so uh, I guess a taste acquired? (laughs) (laughs) Same here, man. I like this stuff. The track has a nice wide sound, and every inch of space has been covered. And again, it has a sweet pump to it. The one thing I really like about this is uh, how it elevates to another level every so often. The transitions are smooth and the beat, although it's pretty repetitive, never gets old. It's a good track to loop over and over. At 1 minute and 23 seconds in, a short lead takes the front line, adding the sweet cherry on top of the entire mix. Shit, I could loop this section for a good 20 minutes alone. Now, I gotta ask you, is this what would be considered trance music? You know, I was thinking that, actually. I was listening to it, and I was like, you know, it makes sense just title-wise. And listening to it, I think so, because, you know, I think literally when people called it, started calling it trance music, is because it's sort of music you can get into a trance to. I, I, hmm. I Again, I my ability to discern subgenres of electronic music in particular outside of Eurobeat and everything else is, uh, let's say, minimal at best. <laughs> but I think this would qualify as trance. Uh, okay. Just just a question I had. <laughs> Obviously, I have no idea, so <laughs> thought I'd ask. Unfortunately, that's all the that's the closest thing to an answer I have. <laughs> hey, that works. There we go. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just go with that. And uh, if I'm wrong, hey, write in. You know, you, you, you can tell me how I'm completely wrong or right about that thing. Um, preferably right, because, man, it would be nice to actually get something right for a change. <laughs> 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 all right. Anyway, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track. And that is Spiral of Erebos. Erebos, 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 I don't know how you say it. Anyway, you know, I should have asked Alex from uh, RP Gamer how you pronounce that, because he just reviewed it and probably could have told me. Yeah, I'm real dumb. Anyway, (laughs) Spiral of Erebos, here we go.
Alright, Spiral of Erebus is easily one of my favorites in the whole damn album. It's another great personification of what I feel is the sound of modern Falcom sound team. Heavy guitar riffs, great percussion, occasional piano, and that kick-ass violin shredding as the lead. It's stuff like this that keeps me coming back to Falcom soundtracks again and again. Hell, even when you have a horn takeover as lead, I'm still digging it. And to take the violin out as a lead instrument, you had better make it good, and they managed to do just that. The violin blends back into the mix after a bit and comes back up to the front. This is just one of those tracks I don't think has a weak moment. If you're not feeling this one, just jump off a bridge because nothing is going to make you happy. It just smacks you in the face from start to finish. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I like the way this track starts off. It's It doesn't exactly rush into the craziness that's ahead. It just casually brings itself in. And out of nowhere, you're listening to great leads. I'm pretty surprised to hear a horn leading the way for a while, but it works so well. The violin was just on point here. And I, I don't know, I, I love how the track seems to keep escalating. A perfect way to extend the track. In the end, I have absolutely no complaints here. Yet, another masterpiece. Yeah, I like I said, man, this is one of those ones I just hear this and I'm just like, yep, this is, this is the stuff that I want to play for people when they like, they express any interest in Falcom music or want to know, like, hey, what's some good video game music that's real catchy? Like, this is, or even, you know, even people who say, like, modern video game music just doesn't have that same hook, basically. This is that, for me, like, personification of Falcom's ability to have a really hooky type of music that also uses, like, natural instrumentation. I mean, really everything in here, they might have some, like, you know, synthesized instruments. Horn, I'm pretty sure, is synthesized. But... Being able to use largely natural instrumentation throughout a track and still maintain it being hooky as hell, that's why I feel like Falcom is just master of the craft of making modern video game music using natural instrumentation and electronic stuff. They're just on point from start to finish, and god damn it, um, let me tell you, I, I last night while I was at work, I was listening to some of uh, Mizuka Mizutani's uh not solo stuff, but just like some of her live performances and stuff she does. And man, that woman is just an incredible violinist. Holy shit, man. Top tier, man. No doubt about it. Yeah. I'm really wanting to see if I could figure out a way if she's done kind of solo stuff. Because I would really, really love to support this woman more. Just Or the stuff she plays on is just incredible. And the fact that she's, you know, Falcom's go-to violinist really should speak volumes to her talent. But I mean, you know, I can't just disregard the composers too. the composers for this soundtrack really hit this thing on the head. So, you know, I probably should have said this towards the wrap up more, but you know, spiral of Erebos is just one of those tracks that as soon as I heard it, the first time I started playing this, cause I think the short version of this is the, the first song that plays on the, on the soundtrack itself, the short version hit. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to be into the soundtrack. We're, we're <laughs> off to a good start right out of the gate. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing, man. I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I tell you. We could literally just become the Falcom Sound Team podcast, and I think we'd be fine with just how much stuff there is to cover. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, a video game podcast or podcasts are niche. Video game podcasts are even more niche. Video game music podcasts are even more niche. And then just doing one on Falcom Sound Team, who oh boy, you want to talk about having five listeners? That would probably, that would probably be where we were at. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like being a crack inside a crack inside a crack that doesn't really exist yeah exactly <laughs> it's like oh hey that atom shattered okay well nobody knows so big deal <laughs> uh, all right let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track here and that is now thing to do yeah you heard me thing to do not things to do or <laughs> a thing to do just thing to do anyway now thing to do
All right, that was Now, Thing to Do, and it's something a little bit different than everything else we've covered this episode. This track just kind of grooves. It's a nice ambient piece without anything being too strong, but the instrumentation changes keep it fresh and interesting to listen to. It's the type of track that I enjoy listening to a little bit more passively than I suppose actively, which is the opposite of passively, so I could have just said that and left it as is. (sighs) Uh, I think it's a nice track to hear. I really like it, but damn, I can't figure out what to say about it either, Um, other than it just flows. It's a track you just need to hear. Yeah, it's... I mean, and thankfully they just heard it, so that I guess that solves that issue. But yeah, it's it's hard to talk about, but at the same time, I think it's a good enough track that I wanted to throw in there. Again, we've talked about this multiple times. I hope we've mentioned it on this episode already, but occasionally there's going to be tracks where we don't have a whole hell of a lot to say about it, but it I feel like it's warranted being thrown into the mix. Yeah, you know, and also we've said this before. It's just, some of these tracks, it's just nice to listen to them. Kind of speak for themselves. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and let's move on to something we'll probably have a little bit more to say there about or say about there. And that is Morning Refrain. And that's actually going to be the final track in this project. So, oh boy, man, we're, we're on the finish line here, man. Let's do, let's let's just sprint and get this thing done, shall we? <laughs> let's do it. <laughs>
All right, that was Morning Refrain, and we've got a completely different vocalist again. No Kanaka Kotera or Megumi Sasaka this time. The vocalist on this one is Suhiro Yuri. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, her vocal style definitely fits this more rock-oriented track. I've got a harder time breaking down vocal tracks, which is kind of ridiculous considering I lettered in choir. Sorry, ladies, I'm taken. But <laughs> for some weird reason, I've got a hard time breaking those down. The percussion here is what I feel is the secret best part, really keeping to the track, but really making it rock. The guitars are really, really, really good, and Yuri's vocal performance is spot on. This thing fires on all cylinders all the way through. I like Beyond the Journey more and sort of would have preferred that one as the track we end this series of podcasts on, but this is still a great way to close out what's easily been our most ambitious project to date. You got that right. You know, I like the rhythm here. For some reason at the 17 second mark, I hear a little I hear a little bit of Paul Gilbert in there. Just a hint of his style and sound. The percussions are great, so is everything else, but I'd say the vocals are top tier here. Really I'm enjoying this woman's voice. I love the, the slight low in her voice. I think it works well with this type of music. I'm happy to end this episode on a high note. All right, well, that will wrap up our, our thing here on Trails of Cold Steel 3. We hope you've enjoyed this little project we've done. I don't want to say little. I really shouldn't uh, minimize how much work this has been, but I've enjoyed doing this. And again, we wouldn't have probably done this for anybody but a Falcom sound or a Falcom game, basically. We, we love their soundtracks. The music that has been in this thing has just been phenomenal and every review I've seen for this game has been pretty positive. So I, there is literally like no excuse to get this. If you're into JRPGs, it's got a great soundtrack. The game is really great. And you know, if you're listening to this podcast, odds are you are at least now a fan. If maybe a little bit of a casual fan of Falcom sound team, just because of how much we've jammed them down your throat. But <laughs> honestly, like I said, I, I always feel like they're sort of that, you know, small band that you, your friends ask like, oh, hey, what are you listening to these days? And you want to kind of push them out there this way. More people listen to them because as great as they are and as popular as they are in a very small circle of video game music fans, I feel like they should be more mainstream. Their game production, you know, they don't put out as many games as a lot of people do. And they're basically it's all in-house stuff. So, you know, you don't get a, an incredible amount of work where you see like, uh, people like Ben Prunty, maybe a little bit, or Jesper Kid, who, you know, constantly put out music and, you know, have this huge catalog to fall back on, uh, you know, on a yearly basis nearly. But Falcom has been around for 30 plus years and they've got a gigantic back catalog you can go through of games and then plus just remix, rearrangement albums, stuff like that. So there is just a gigantic, gigantic back catalog to check out. So hopefully if you kind of, got into this podcast because of Trails of Cold Steel 3. You know, you happen to be perusing Twitter or whatever and saw that, oh, hey, these guys are talking about the soundtrack. Hopefully we've sort of persuaded you enough to go check out the rest of Falcom Sound Team's library. There is so much to check out. I mentioned before that we did a podcast on E7. That is definitely one of my favorite soundtracks from Falcom, but it's not their best. I did that one just because of an emotional attachment I had to it. Um, you know, you can go back and listen to those two episodes. They're they're fair. I want to say fairly early on, but man, I mean, we're talking more than 15 episodes back at this point, which is kind of horrifying to think about how much we've done. But anyway, um, you know, we've done two bonus episodes of the boy who had wings, which is one of, you know, Falcom's just seminal tracks that it just keeps getting remade and remade and remade because it's just that good of a piece of composition. So anyway, yeah, I think that's everything there. So 
you know, thanks for listening, sticking with us for these four episodes. We hope you enjoyed this. Again, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to go buy Trails of Cold Steel 3. I don't know when I'm getting around to it, but I'm going to buy it anyway just to support Falcom. Um, the album I bought, like, as soon as it hit iTunes, I saw somebody post something on Twitter. Actually, I think it was Alex Fuller from RP Gamer posted one of the tracks on Twitter, and I was like, oh, that's available on iTunes. Guess what I'm buying right this damn minute? So, as usual, you can follow us on Twitter at Robico Podcast. That is R-O-W-Y-C-O Podcast. You can follow me at Jason Ariola, and you can follow Dominic. Follow me at Dominic Shred. And of course, if you like this, we do do this podcast very regularly, and we like to continue to be able to do that. So if you want to help us uh, keep the lights on over here, you can go to patreon.com slash gamesandjunk and chip in a few bucks over there. Anything from $1 to whatever you feel you can do a month would be greatly appreciated. At the $5 tier, that will get you a shout out, and a few people have done that. So that is Vanessa, John, Alex Messenger, and Gustav for helping support the show and everything else we do on the Games and Junk Network. On top of that, on the $5 tier, you'll also get a RSS feed for all of the podcasts we do that includes Multimedia Failure, our Game Club, and one that now that this project's wound down, I've got some. I, w- I need to get actually back with the uh, my eventual co-host on that one and kind of get that ball rolling on that thing. Now that uh, I'm, you know, I'm not quite so in the weeds on this thing. <laughs> and you also get the show in a higher quality audio rate. So yeah, any and anytime we get these out early, you'll also get early access to the show. So there's a lot of benefits for five dollars. So. I think that really wraps up everything. All the usual like, share, subscribe, like, share, subscribe, all that jazz. Go to your favorite pod thing and just go give us a five-star rating because, you know, we appreciate it and that'll help with, you know, our visibility. Our audience continues to grow and I'm hopefully we're going to be seeing our numbers tick up a little bit from this. But, uh, you know, we'd like to continue to grow and like to be able to do this more. So, you know, just do all that stuff and we'd appreciate the hell out of it. And I guess that'll wrap it up for me. Dominic, do you have anything you want to add? Not at all. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Rock Out With Your Card Out. Uh, Again, if this is your first time listening to us, thanks for listening. We appreciate you checking us out. I just want to say thanks again, and we will talk at you guys next time. Great. I knew that groove was in your heart.